Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 299. Coming up on that big 300 mark. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me, unfortunately. He is uh, back home in Las Vegas, knee-deep in virtual media day. Um, hopefully the last virtual media day. Fingers crossed. Talk to you about that in a second. Me, I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the uh, the beautiful Lancaster Marriott at Penn Square here in a... Uh, Snow-covered Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a cool-looking town. I wish we could get out and, and experience it a little bit. Unfortunately, uh, COVID-19 protocols is pretty strict right now. In fact, um, that's why we were not uh, in Philadelphia, the 2300 Arena, where we've been doing quite a few shows out there uh, for CFSC in recent months. Um, and we just couldn't do it. They've, they've gotten on really strict lockdowns. Uh, unfortunately, the fine folks out here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania have – Essentially a bubble for us. They've got a convention center. Uh, we're doing no fans uh, tonight, you know, sitting down on a Thursday afternoon recording like I always do. Uh, so we'll do tonight, Thursday night, and then uh, we'll do Friday as well. No fans. Um, and the convention center is actually attached to the hotel, so it's, you know, we'll just walk right over there. We don't even have to go anywhere. There's no transportation to worry about. Um, you know, there's strict limits in terms of how many people can be in, in what places and, you know, all the stuff that we've become familiar with, of course, as of late. But I don't know, it's a shame we've gotten back used to, to having fans uh, at Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Just a select few VIPs, but uh, it was cool, you know, hearing people cheer again, especially when they're hometown guys and, you know, their, their, their teammates that they were supporting were going crazy. It was a lot of fun. So, missed that, but, you know, hey, that's where we are right now, right? Got to gotta deal with what we got to deal with. So, um I had hoped to maybe have Mr. CM Punk this week sit down and do a little conversation with us, but he is actually en route right now. His um his his plane is coming in today, uh, and literally he'll be here like an hour before our call time. Uh, so definitely not enough time to sit down and do any semblance of a podcast. He'll be coming in, taking a shower, trying to get some coffee, getting changed. Uh, always a cup of coffee. Your man CM Punk is a coffee connoisseur. Uh, so I imagine he'll be wanting to get changed into his very nice custom-tailored suit and get a cup of coffee and get ready. But uh, hopefully hopefully we'll get to have him. It looks like we're not going to do January for CFSC, um, but then we'll do back-to-back nights again in February. So depending on how the schedule lines up that time, maybe we can maybe we can sit him down. But uh had hoped to have him this week. But he's coming in late. I, I was To be honest with you, I was worried he wasn't coming in at all. Um, I was actually supposed to come in on Wednesday. Uh, I, I, I couldn't get a direct flight. The, the closest airport here is Harrisburg. Um, I could fly to Philadelphia direct, which is like an hour and something away, but then um, it was kind of tough to get ground transportation and, and all that. So anyway, long story short, d- due to transportation, I was supposed to come in um, on Wednesday. But uh, there was just a, an epic snowstorm <laughs> coming in yesterday that hit. I mean, it started snowing and dumping. I mean, it it was all day and it's it's made for some pretty scenes man it's, it looks cool out there right now i'm looking out the window of my hotel room and you know all the rooftops and stuff are covered with snow um so i was a little worried that punk wasn't gonna be able to make it in today um but fortunately it's it's clear today and it, it ended up being just yesterday that all the snow's coming in but because of that i actually came in on tuesday so on monday we get this weather report that between like 15 and 20 inches of snow is coming to, to hit like right where we are and so I talked to Rob Hadak, the president of CFSC. I was like, well, should I come in tomorrow then? And uh, and, then he, and he said, yeah, it's probably a good idea. You know, airlines are, are switching airfare right now for free. So 
Um, so that's nice. You know, normally you'd have to pay money. So uh, came in a day early, but it was a scramble because uh, you know I was working for Junkie on Monday, and then Tuesday I was off, and I was going to use that to to get a haircut, to go pick up my dry cleaning because my suits and stuff were at the at the dry cleaners, uh, and to to just handle you know a couple things, get them done, and then fly out on Wednesday. Well. We made the decision, like, yeah, let's go Tuesday. I got my flight rebooked, and then I realized, like, oh, crap. Uh, the dry cleaners closes in, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> so I had to run and get my dry cleaning picked up and uh, couldn't couldn't get a haircut. But luckily, my, my, my wife was nice enough to give me a little little shave, cut it down with a one, so it's looking nice and fresh tonight. Uh, but it was a scramble. So we got everything done, and then around midnight, I would say, on Monday night, uh, my wife says, hey, uh, have you seen this water on the ground in the garage? And I was like, oh, come on. you got to be kidding me. Go out there and look. And, yeah, sure enough, there's water on the ground in the garage. And, you know, trace it back pretty easily to the hot water heater. And I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Um, fortunately, the leak wasn't terrible. I was able to, to, to dry it up, and it wasn't, like, causing severe damage. Um, but the hot water heater was uh, leaking. And so had to have a, a plumber come in on Tuesday morning, first thing in the morning. So that was around midnight on, you know, Monday night. And the earliest they could get there was like 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. My flight was leaving at 1 p.m. Uh, but luckily they came in, they got the hot water heater replaced, and was able to make sure that got all done. So uh, it was a scramble to start the week. But I want a public service announcement. I had no idea uh, that you're supposed to service your hot water heater. I'm 42 years old, and I had no idea you were supposed to service your hot water heater. Uh, so if you're in a home and you own it, uh, I guess even if you rent it, you probably want to tell your landlord about it. Oh, that's his problem or her problem at that point. Uh, but you were supposed to drain the, the hot water heater at least once a year. And uh, there is a metal rod inside there that you're supposed to change once every two years, the, the plumber told me. So uh, I had no idea, but that will apparently uh, help extend the life of your hot water heater. Mine was the, the one that originally been put in the house anyway, so it was... It was 14 years old, so I guess we, we got lucky with our our our, uh, our our lifespan of our hot water heater. But, man, I mean, I don't guess there's ever a good time to, to for your hot water heater to start leaking. Uh, but to do it, you know, the night before I was about to head out of town. And uh, I guess I'm just glad it happened while I was there and I could help out. And, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a scramble. So service your hot water heater, folks. Um, yeah, I was talking about this, this media day that Cold Coffee is in right now. Uh, he hates them, by the way. They're literally the least favorite part of his job, and it is kind of a pain. the The audio and video is usually kind of crappy on it, and, and uh, man, you, what we do at Junkie to get them out as quickly as possible is we screen record them while they're going on, and then you then you gotta you know throw on some graphics and edit it and upload it, all that, so it'll be on the site for the story. Uh, the UFC does send you the files later if you're on the media list, so you can just wait. And, and get it later. The problem is sometimes it takes, you know, they're, they're kind of inconsistent with when they send them. Sometimes they send them really fast and sometimes it takes a long time. And of course, you know, all that, all that content is going out there with other outlets. So we want to put it out as fast as possible. So anyway, normally it takes two of us to do it. One of us will record and the other one will edit and kind of produce the videos. Uh, but since I had to take a couple of days off to come to the CFSC show, uh, I am not working right now, so uh, Cole Coffee is doing it all by himself, and I've been watching the Slack chat, and uh, he's not complaining, but you could tell. <laughs> you could tell. It's like, ah, oh, 
I hate these things, man. Like I said, there's usually like audio and video problems. We're we're hoping. I mean, maybe this is a little too much behind the scenes and nobody cares. But I we we asked the UFC if they can get rid of them for next year, so we'll see. I mean, obviously it all has to do with you know where we all stand with uh, with you know COVID protocol and all that. Um, you know, we certainly have limits in Nevada right now as to how many people can be in a room together and all that, and, and so. We'll see, but you know we're coming up on this UFC break, and then the first couple events of, of 2021 are going to be over in Abu Dhabi. It appears, still waiting on the official official announcement. I mean, the the dates have been announced, but a location has not been announced. But of course, you know Dana White, UFC president, has been pretty forthcoming in saying it's probably going to be Fight Island, Abu Dhabi. So anyway, by the time we come back to do a show in the states again in Vegas, it'll probably be. Uh, we think January 30th, unless they take that week off for some reason. So hopefully by then things have changed a little bit. I mean, what that's, I mean, it's what six, seven weeks from now. So I don't know how much things will improve by then, but I would just love to be able to do in-person pre-fight interviews the way we do, the way we get to do it in fight Island. You know, it's just the quality is so much better. It looks so much better for the fans to watch. And I feel like the fighters are so much better in their interviews because they're not just staring at a, at a blank computer screen. I mean, they're actually interacting with human beings and you know, it would be just like we do post fight where we, where we set up at those individual tables, like we've been doing all year long and everybody's spaced out and wearing masks and all that. Uh, athlete is, you know, several feet away from us. So, um, I don't know, hopefully PR, uh, with UFC will at least consider it. Um, you know, I mean, Bellator is doing pre-fight interviews in person we've been seeing, uh, our man, Nolan King, that's been, the king of the fight sphere. <laughs> uh, he's been doing in-person video interviews, and, and I'm hoping the UFC will follow suit. I, I mean, I appreciate what they're doing, and I always try to make it clear. Like, I'm not unappreciative of what they're doing. I mean, they're making the athletes available to us and helping us get content, which is good. It's just that, oh, man, the quality of it's crap, and, and uh, I just – I hope we can change it. So, anyway, that's what we're pushing for behind the scenes, if that matters to you. Uh, me, I, I took a few days off. It came in early, like I said, and got to enjoy it a little bit. Not much we can do. Everything's closed around here. Restaurants, uh, you can't even you can't even go inside and eat or anything like that here. Everything's takeout or delivery only. Um, so we've really just been staying inside the hotel, but it's so damn cold anyway. Uh, I don't know that I want to be out there that much. I did go out there uh, last night. Uh, as at the end of the night, I, I may have had a frosty beverage or two at that point, uh, and, and did my first ever IG live and just kind of walked out there in the snow and showed the scenes. And I have no idea why I felt compelled to do it. I think, <laughs> I think I just needed some fresh air and I figured, you know, why not show it and maybe help promo the, the, the fights a little bit as well. But, uh, so if, if you want to look on my IG story, John Morgan MMA on Instagram, it may still be there by the time you listen to this. I think those go away after 24 hours if I remember right. But so I don't know if it'll still be there, but I did my first ever one. So thank you to everybody that uh, that joined, and hopefully I didn't make too much of an ass of myself. <laughs> uh, USC Fight Night 183 is this weekend, December 19th, Saturday. I will be there. Uh, no, I take that back. I will not be there. Uh, I will be helping the team work. But Cold Coffee will be on site. Uh, so he'll be in the media tent. And so we'll have full coverage of all the, the winter interviews there. I am going to – I'm assuming I'll likely be doing play-by-play, which I, which I normally do, but I'll just be doing it from home. Um, unfortunately, I can't get back in time to get a test. You know, I, I fly out very early Saturday morning. Uh, I think like 6.30 is my flight. But, again, can't get a direct flight. I've got to go through Charlotte uh, on the way back um and so because of that i just i can't i can't make it back in time to get a test to get the test results back 
And, of course, you know, they're keeping that COVID protocol in place, which, by the way, kudos, I think, to the USC for tightening up the protocol a little bit. Not sure if you guys got to see uh, those stories. It didn't make a huge splash, but, you know, we had talked about it on here a little bit about how, you know, there's not really a bubble in, in Vegas. And, and because of that, you know, fighters were leaving uh, the host hotel. Basically, they were creating a bubble because there is security, and they weren't allowing pe- they weren't allowing like any outside people in. But what they were doing was allowing people in to go out. So because of that, it's not really a bubble, and that's why we kept losing those fights. You know, that's why I kept talking. Why why are we losing fights on fight week? Why are these people getting COVID like while they're here in Vegas? And you know, I think Dana was kind of saying, well, I don't know if that's what's happening. You know, maybe it's um, maybe it's one, and, and it is true. I mean. It, Maybe they got it on the way, or maybe they got it the day they left home, and and the symptoms didn't present until you know Friday or whatever. But uh, that just didn't seem to be the case to me. It seemed to me that there was just too much freedom around people moving around once they were here, and um, you know, and, and I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's people's choice to do what they want. I just hate to lose fights. You know what I mean? It, no matter where you stand on the COVID spectrum, you know, is it just the flu, or is it the most deadly thing we've ever encountered in life? No matter where you stand in there, just as an MMA fan, we just know that people can't compete if they test positive for COVID. So I want to I want to keep people from testing positive, so we're not scratching fights the day of and losing matchups that we want to see. So uh, I'm glad to see that the UFC kind of tightened it up. Now, you know, you're not allowed to to grab an Uber and leave the property. You're not allowed to to if you're a local. Uh, you know, take your car and leave the property. Basically, you know, you can go to uh, you can go to the PI to get your workout in. You can go uh, to the Apex to that gym there and and get your workout in. Um, but you've you know basically got to prearrange that with UFC and you've got to um, use their transportation so you're not just you know grabbing an Uber or whatever. Um, so you're using the, the the vehicles where the drivers are being tested and and all that stuff. So um, you know, still not quite the bubble that's in Abu Dhabi, but more so so um kudos to them for for uh for stepping up and taking care of that so anyway long story short on that i can't get a test back in time so i'll be working from home uh for the final ufc event of the year and it's a good one i mean i think a, a lot of people you know once it lost the main event of course the hamzat shemaev show uh has been you know been a big attraction it's been one of the big stories of 2020 uh, and this was supposed to be him and Leon Edwards, and that fight's not happening now. Uh, it looks like maybe it'll happen over in Fight Island in January. But uh, So I think a lot of people immediately uh, kind of took less interest in the card. I know for a fact I feel bad for Cold Coffee, man, because there's not, there's not a lot of media at that last show. Um, I know and, – and, and some of it – you know, corporations into the year, they're trying to save money. Uh, you, you see it everywhere, but I know, like, for instance, uh, MMA Fighting's not sending a representative. I think they're trying to, you know, save a couple bucks at the end of the year. Uh, you know, usually Oscar Willis is there from the Mac Life, but he's uh, he's departed um, to to, uh, uh, to to start his holiday plans and that sort of thing. So um, there's not going to be a lot of people asking questions <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh, so I feel bad for Cole Coffee because I think he's going to be running – Damn near a solo mission back there in the tent. I was I was hoping to at least be able to get to the tent and uh, and be able to help him out with those post fight interviews, but uh, doesn't look like that's going to be happening. But still a good card. Uh, Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal is your main event and uh, big fight there, man. I'm excited about this fight. Stylistically, it looks like it'll be fun, right? I mean, both guys known for their striking. Uh, of course, Wonder Boy that you know the point based karate style. Uh, Jeff Neal. Um, 
you know, just solid, quick hands. Hands of steel, even, right? Hands of steel, Jeff Neal. Uh, but two two exciting guys. Two guys in different uh, aspects of their career, right? I mean, Wonder Boy has been around for a while. Um, you know, at, at 37 years old, not trying to run him out just yet, but obviously I think he'd admit he's getting towards the tail end of his career. Uh, he's coming off, a, a you know, a lengthy layoff. You're talking about it's, it's been a year. Um and where does he stand? You know, he had a couple key losses, uh, you know, before his recent victory over Vicente Luque. So, you know, is he still an elite-level competitor? Is he still an elite-level contender? You know, this is kind of that crossroads fight to determine that. Meanwhile, you got Jeff Neal, who's just been waiting for his opportunity to break out, right? I mean, part of that Fortis MMA crew that we love. And, you know, is is this his big breakout moment? Because it sure could be. I mean, you, 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 especially if you do something devastating, man, you pick up a, a devastating win over a guy like Wonderboy, an established name like Stephen Thompson. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about elite-level fights. So um, big, big moment for Jeff Neal. And, you know, a big moment for, for Stephen Thompson as well to prove that, you know, he, he still belongs right now. So um, I'm intrigued by this fight. Uh, right now, looking at the odds, Jeff Neal, a very, very slight favorite, which is kind of the way I see it as well. Um, it's basically a pick em according to the line. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about flipping a coin, and I kind of agree with that. Um, you know, if, if Stephen Thompson is still Stephen Thompson, you know, he should be able to win this fight. But Jeff Neal looks like he's the real deal. Um, real deal, hands of steel, Jeff Neal. <laughs> so this is a big fight, and I think it's going to be an entertaining one as well. So um, fun, fun main event. And, and then, look, you know, the card – continues to go down from there with some exciting matchups. I mean, uh, Jose Aldo versus Chito Vera, another one that the odds makers are, are pretty torn on. Uh, Aldo, a little bit slighter of, of a favorite there than Jeff Neal is, which I probably agree as well. Um, Chito Vera, though, I mean, consistently underrated, right? I mean, the guy is, the guy is good. The guy is good. And, and how, can you, how can you not like the guy, number one? He's just a fun dude to hang out with and a super nice guy um, and, and just – I mean, it's just, there's no way. If you if you know Cheeto Vera, if you've ever talked to Cheeto Vera for a second, if you've ever heard an interview with Cheeto Vera, I don't see how you couldn't like him. You know, he just keeps it real, student of the game, loves the sport, um, can talk to you about any fighter on the roster, um, humble dude that's, you know, working for his family and, and just a, a great guy to be around. Meanwhile, Jose Aldo, you know, one of the all-time greats, right? I mean, truly, there's, there's no other way to look at it. I understand if you're a, a recent – visitor to the sport basically you just come to see the maybe you've only seen the the, the last few years which haven't necessarily been phenomenal and and uh you know of course the the, the devastating loss for the bantamweight championship to Piotr Jan uh whew, a tough one um looked very competitive against Marlon Marias though in the fight before that so anyway um an all-time great but you know Jose Aldo as well, right? I mean, not saying that he's in need of a win. It's a crazy thing. He's only 34, man. He he's he came to the top level so young. But it's crazy to think that, you know, he might be one of these guys. I don't see him necessarily on the on this roster cut list, you know. But you know, just as far as his future and, and where he wants it to be and how much he wants to keep doing this, you know, you start racking up losses. I don't. I don't think you want to keep doing it, right? So could be a big moment for him as well, and it's another big fight for Cheeto Vera, right? I mean, after the win over Sean O'Malley, another big fight for him. So love that fight right there. Then how about this one? Michelle Pajeda versus Chaos Williams. Come on. I mean, who didn't get excited when you saw that one announced, right? 
unbelievable stylistic matchup. That's going to be fun. I just, there's no, I mean, there's no way Michelle Bejeda fight's not going to be fun regardless. He's going to come in and do something crazy. You know that. And then Chaos Williams, I mean, this this guy, how dangerous is he? I mean, loving that fight. And again, odds makers have Michelle Bejeda as a very, very, very slight favorite as well as, as we're doing this. So, um, you know, kind of looks like a, a, a pick em there as well. Man, when you see these odds makers, when you see the lines that close in every fight, because it goes down, it keeps going. Marlon Marias, very slight favorite over Rob Font. That's a hell of a fight. Greg Hardy versus Marcin Tabura. I understand Greg Hardy's not everybody's favorite person, but I like that fight. I mean, in all these, very, very just slight, slight odds. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this card, man. I really am. Uh, I'm bummed I can't attend it in person, but hey, I'll watch it from uh, I'll watch it from my desk at home and and uh, and help pitch in there. And then that's the final UFC event of the year, which is crazy. I mean, listen, we're only talking about a couple weeks, but still, final one of the year. And you know, I'm I'll be honest, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to a little break. Um, it's just been a grind week in and week out, right? I mean, no, uh, I, I, dude, I'm as hardcore as they come. <laughs> I'm as hardcore as they come. I, I do like watching fights every week. But when they're in our backyard every week in Vegas and we're having to go every week, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm spoiled, I know, I'm spoiled. But I am just looking forward to a couple weekends being at home and, and, and having the holidays. Man, I love this new UFC schedule with ESPN where you know, ESPN doesn't need, their, uh, doesn't need their programming around the holidays. So UFC takes the end of year off, man. I, I am a, I'm a fan. And I'm not a big, like, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a big, like, holiday celebrator or whatever, but it's kind of cool that now we, we get this time, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it does mean stuff. It does, it means time, to you know, to be with the family and that sort of thing. So uh, it's nice not to be working on Christmas week and trying to work in media days around, you know, plans with the family and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to the break, and then hopefully I'll be heading back to Fight Island. Don't have the official word yet, uh, but I, I, would, I, would assume, I would assume that I'm going. Um I will say I'm getting a little nervous because I had to send off my passport. I don't have my passport right now. Uh, the State Department has uh, – or Department of State? State Department? I don't know. Whatever. Whoever I wrote my check to, they uh, they have cashed my check, which makes me feel better. Uh, it makes me feel like progress is being made. But And I did put the rush on it. Fortunately, they were offering the rush services. But even the rush services, I think, um, you know, they said to expect like five or six weeks. Uh, which would put it right around, from what I said, it would be right around the first of the year, but we're supposed to leave, I think, like the 8th or the 9th. So, send good thoughts to your boy. I want my passport to come. (laughs) And then we'll get started on, I mean, starting with a Conor McGregor fight. You know, come on. It's going to be a good start to the year. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, I want to touch real quick on the, you know, the big news continues to be Bellator. Uh, of course, you know, now adding Yoel Romero, which I got to admit a little bit out of left field for me, especially when Scott Coker had, had said, Hey, I think we're, we're going to pass on that Yoel Romero thing. Um, but you know what? I, I can't blame him. Honestly, can't blame him. That's a big name. It's a big name. And, and right away, of course, everybody said, put, you know, let's do that Anthony Johnson fight. And you know what, man? That's one of the biggest fights Bellator could put on right now. It would get a lot of attention. A lot of attention. So I can't blame him. Now, we don't know what the financial terms of the deal were. Um, I imagine they were pretty good. Uh, Malki Kawa, Abe Kawa, first-round management, they uh, they drive a hard bargain, man. They battle for their clients. So, um, you know, I imagine it was a pretty pretty, pretty big deal for UL Romero. But I think it's a good move for, for Bellator. 
you know, I think Bellator has kind of made it clear that they, they don't want to just be signing UFC cast-offs and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's the right approach. You know, it can't just be all UFC retreads. you gotta, you got to balance um, – you got to balance things a little bit, right? You got to get, uh, you know, you got to develop your own talent, and they're doing such a good job of that, right? Like finding these guys before they even make their pro debut, right, or or early in their career, and making the commitment to them, you know, making making these kind of developmental type deals a reality, and and, and helping these people develop their careers. And I think I think it's smart, man. I mean, they they have to do that, right? And they're doing a f- phenomenal job of it. But the trick is always how do you get these talented prospects to then be recognized in the public as having a name, as having value, you know, as being somebody. And that's the hard part for Bellator, right? Especially during this transitionary time, right, where they're they're no longer on DAZN. Um, you know, they're settling on their on their network. Where is it going to be? They're off Paramount. They're going to go to CBS Sports. But is that where they're going to stay? Because CBS Sports is a pretty small network. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, they want the CBS sports, obviously they want to use Bellator to help build them. And, and since Viacom owns it, I mean, they don't have to, you know, they can kind of do that and they, they have a luxury to invest in time, but if not, a lot of people are catching your property, then how are you actually, you know, increasing the value of it? So it's a delicate time and, and, and Bellator has to make moves like that. Those, those are the moves that get people to pay attention to their card. I still hope, you know, moving forward, they stay on Thursday nights. I love the idea of them not having to go against the UFC, you know, week in and week out, because if you're going head to head, not that you can't do it every now and then, not that there aren't going to be times where your card is more appealing than the UFC, but the brand name, you just can't compete. You just can't compete in this. And, and especially man, the UFC has the juggernaut of ESPN behind them and all the shoulder programming there and all the promos. You're just never going to be able to compete against that. So you got to do something a little bit different. Um, but they got to sign. So they got to sign these names. Just like the, uh, the, I mean, you know, they make commitments like, hey, we're doing things a little bit different. And they sign the, the Russian girl who just beat the 519-pound guy over in Russia. I mean, um, you know, some of those are a little weird, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a freak show, but... It's a freak show that gets headlines. It gets PR. You know what I mean? It, it really does get people in shit and get people talking, and that's what you need. So can't blame him for the move. Cannot blame him for the move. Um, I think the, the, the other key thing right now, especially as everybody's kind of looking around the landscape, is to understand that the Yoel Romero move and the Anthony Johnson move aren't – I don't want to say they're not a part of this let's cut 60 people kind of thing. Because they are. I mean, it's it's obviously happening at the same time. It is. It does take a number away, right? But I think people are looking at those as the rule of how this thing is going to be done. And I don't think that's how they get to 60. I think – I don't want to say it's unrelated because it, it's – but I think these are kind of individual cases, right? I mean, in the case of Anthony Johnson – Look, nobody will address it straight on, but it's not hard to read between the lines when, you know, I mean, when does Dana White no comment on anything, right? I mean, when does Dana White say, ah, it's not really my business, you should ask somebody else, right? I mean, look at look at Yair Rodriguez, right? Ah, not my business, not 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 my business. What did it end up being? It ended up being a side issue with whereabouts, right? I don't, I'm not suggesting that Anthony Johnson failed a test. I'm not saying that at all, but I wonder, you know, Less so with 
USADA even, because he's had tests in 2020. If you go through USADA, he's had four tests, and we haven't heard anything. And trust me, USADA is not just going to sit back and go like, oh, what's that? You don't want it to go public? Oh, you're going to leave the UFC? Okay, we won't talk about it. No, that's not going to happen. So I am not suggesting for even a second that he has uh, failed any type of USADA test. But I wonder, again, if it's Nevada that he doesn't want to deal with. You know, Nevada does their own thing, and they don't always follow USADA. They got this marijuana testing going on, you know, that they're, that they're doing – who knows? There's something like that here, though. There's something like that in play here. And I think that Anthony Johnson feels like it's better for him. I think he told Nolan King, you know, it's better for business. But it's better for him to go elsewhere. It's a damn shame because, man, there were some fights. I mean, everybody loves Rumble, right? Man, everybody loves the style that he brings. You know what he's doing. He's coming and just throwing hands. Um, and he's going to give you some good pre-fight buildup, a little couple one-liners here and there, and that sort of thing. So it's a damn shame, but I, it's a good pickup from Bellator. It's a good pickup from Bellator. And with Yoel Romero, um, so so again, I think that's kind of an individual case with the UFC where they're like, this this relationship just isn't going to work. And I think this the same thing was with Yoel Romero as well. You know, I, I told you that I heard he, he turned down the Derek Brunson fight. Now we hear that there were other fights that he turned down as well. Um, I, I had heard behind the scenes that, you know, they were looking – at, uh, at opportunities for him to fight at 205 pounds in, in the UFC as well, but that negotiations were difficult, that they were offering names and, and he just didn't didn't want the names. And so he, from my understanding, you know, I, they were trying to make fights behind the scenes and negotiations were, were not easy. At that point, it became a situation where, I mean, you see it right now. How many times did Zayna mention it? You got to take fights right now. He is. There's so much going on. There's so much shuffling. Man, you you see it when you talk to Mick and you talk to Sean about how they're making these cards like three times over. You know what I mean? They've never. I mean, yes, injuries have always been an issue, but now with COVID and and and, and visas again, visas is a big part of it. To travel right now is not easy, so you don't have the type of access you used to have to your full roster. Um, getting you know in the same way that I'm waiting six weeks to get my passport back, where it used to take two. Um, it's the same thing in all aspects of it. Like you can't even get visas uh, in some situation or it's taking way longer than it used to. Um, so basically it's it, matchmaking right now is a headache. It's an absolute headache. And when you're adding to their headaches by, by turning down fights or saying you're not interested in fights, man, it just doesn't sit well with them right now. Now is not the time to be picky. Now is not the time to be choosy. Now is the time to be Kevin Holland. I mean, look at what Kevin Holland has accomplished this year, right? I mean, we talked about the very beginning of the year. People are going to capitalize during this 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 COVID era. There are names that are going to emerge that, that we didn't expect to. Kevin Holland is one of those names. Why? Because the dude says, yes, what do you got for me? I'm in it. Let's go. That is what you need to do right now in the UFC um, and, and opportunities will come your way. And, and listen, that, you know, number one, you just move up because you, you start racking up wins and you start moving up the rankings, right? But number two, you start building that goodwill behind the scenes, right? You start, um, you know, now you're a favorite. You know, now now you got some, some stock with the matchmakers. You got some stock with Dana White. You got some stock with Hunter Campbell. Um, that's what you need to do. So uh, I think ultimately, and, and, and I get it, man, for Yoel, the weight cut's not easy, and he knows there's only a handful of fights left, so I understand why he was being a bit choosy as well, but it is interesting, too, that now you're like, well, I, you know, you go to Bellator, and it's like, oh, I'll take anybody, well, why weren't you taking anybody in the UFC, so 
Uh, and again, S.U.L. Romero's right to manage his career. I'm not saying he's doing the wrong thing. He's only got a handful of fights left. You th- I mean, I think he's only got a handful of fights left. That's that. <laughs> that man, that man is is in incredible shape for his age. So who knows? Maybe he ends up fighting until he's 60. Uh, but I would think if you're managing your career, uh, your assumption at that point is that you don't have a ton of fights left. So I understand why you're being a little bit choosy, but it's just they're in different places right now, you know. And and again, I think this is a move that benefits both parties you know Yoel can can do a little bit more of what he wants to do in the UFC has the flexibility that they want um from from a top contender and and uh, and that they weren't getting from him so we'll see but I, I guess I, I would not expect 60 Rumble Johnsons or 60 Yoel Romero's to get cut during this roster move now I mean we see it you know is Junior Dos Santos something nice maybe four straight knockouts whoo you know, where do you stay in your career? Maybe. Um, you know, is, is Jacare Souza on thin ice at, at his age and at his point in his career? Yeah, 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 I think so. And 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 those would probably fit that same mold of that 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 caliber of athlete, right? I mean that that type of name recognition, you know, so I think those would kind of you know, you would consider them in that class, but I don't think you're gonna see sixty of those. I think you're gonna see a whole lot of moves of like, oh, yeah, I didn't even realize he was still around. Or, oh, yeah, that guy did go 0-2 and didn't really look all that great. You know what I mean? It's not just they're going to fight, you know, they're going to cut the 60 highest paid people and and because it's, I keep seeing this, like, cheap labor thing. I mean, look, we talked about last week, as Cole Coffey said, maybe it's kind of built in, but I, I really don't think that's the number one driving scenario right now. The UFC is making a good money. You know, Dana White came out, told me, told Kevin Ioli that they set a record. Um, last year, or this year, I should say, 2020. Um, but an average number of pay-per-view buys per pay-per-view. Now, of course, they lost a couple, uh, lost a couple of pay-per-views, uh, of course, because of the pandemic. I, I, maybe they, they lose one or two. I guess they only lost one, right? They only lost April. Crazy. Um, uh, but you know, and think about it. So to to set the average number of of buys record for the company in this year that supposedly is a down year. And, of course, not there on ESPN+. And, uh, man, it really did get me thinking about the whole, You know, the, the move to ESPN+, Plus, I think we were all a little bit shocked. Like, what, you can only get your pay-per-view on ESPN+. Plus? Like, whoa, that's kind of weird. And, and, and they, I mean, they knew it too. It was an education process, right? you got to teach people how to get it. Um, but, heck, even my dad's a paper, uh, an ESPN Plus subscriber now. I mean, it's getting more and more easy, right? It's getting more and more uh, simple to, to, to get it. And people are getting used to buying their stuff online, right? People are getting used to these subscription apps and, and to using apps in their television. It's not such a foreign concept anymore. But, you know, the one thing that we always said going in was, listen, the great thing for them about, you know, being on ESPN uh, is that, you know, they own the streaming service. So before, you know, you had to pay, you know, 40 to 50 to 60%, depending on who you are, they were paying in the, in the 40% range. Um, to these broadcast distributors, right? To the people that are distributing the pay-per-view. They get 40% of the revenue right at the top. That's a huge chunk of money to get back, right? And so to me, I always thought that was the benefit. And it is, of course, a benefit. You just cut that 40% off the top. But, you know, the other thing that really kind of strikes me that I guess I didn't probably consider enough in the beginning is, you know, these providers that took 40%, I mean, how much were they really invested in advertising your product and pushing your product? I mean, sure, they've got a commercial here and there they've got you know 
a, a, you know, whatever. I mean, they, they, yeah, of course, they're going to do a little bit of advertising. But ESPN, I mean, they got there, – there's, there's an ad for the pay-per-view in the screen at all times down there. I mean, how, how many times have you guys turned on ESPN and you see down in that lower right-hand corner, you know, there's a banner for the UFC that's coming up this weekend. You know, I mean, that's – it's there like all day, every day. And then of course, you know, they they run the programming, you know, they've 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 got the features, they've got the news, they got the ticker. I mean, they're pushing the hell out of that product because, you know, it's their product. So, you know, I, I think I didn't really value at the beginning of the ESPN relationship how big that I mean, we talked about it, but I, I didn't think you know, I think it's such a positive that they control everything that maybe I didn't consider before. So, anyway, what I'm saying is it was a good year for the UFC. You, you've, you've, heard, you've heard Dana say it. They broke every every record uh, other than the live gate record, of course. Um, I, I, I don't think they're in cost-saving mode right now. That's not, to me, what this is about. I mean, sure, everybody wants to make more profits. But, you know, as you're trying to put together your list of 60 or you're anticipating, you know, who's going to be gone or who's going to be out there on the free agent market. I guess what I'm saying is I expect the UL Romero move, the Anthony Johnson move, um, to be to look more unique in retrospect than right now where I think they feel, a lot of people seem to think that's the rule. So anyway, um, you know, we were supposed to have uh, Titan FC tonight as well. I was, I, I, I was hating that we were going to have to go head-to-head with Titan FC. I mean, we're still going to go head-to-head tonight with Titan FC. I mean, of course you can go back and watch him anytime you want. Um, but, I mean, you know, look, hey, I'll, I'll put our CFFC card up against that Titan FC card for entertainment value. Uh, you know, Titan always puts on a fantastic product as well. You know, Fight Pass got some great shows, but I was – I like our card tonight. I'll take ours. I think, I think we're the premier card, but – they did have Kayla Harrison on there for a minute, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, I'd probably tune in to watch. <laughs> I'd probably tune in to watch Kayla Harrison too. I mean, you know, potential future superstar of the sport, already a huge star for PFL and two-time medalist. But of course, that fight got scratched. Uh, crazy that her opponent Josette Cotton was 180 pounds. It was it was a 155-pound fight. You know what's funny? I remember when they announced it as a 155-pound fight. I was kind of disappointed because I was like, oh, man. You know, I, I told you guys how excited I was to see Harrison at 145 because I just feel like it really opens up a world of possibilities um, in matchups and things that she can do. And so when I heard this one was 155, I was like, oh, man, she's already given up on it. But I think now we see it was probably the other side of the equation that was pushing for that 155-pound uh, matchup. Hopefully, Josette is, is okay. She did go to the hospital with weight cut complications. But when you hear that she was at 180 pounds on fight week, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously I, I, I hope that she's doing okay, but, you know, it doesn't seem like she was in the middle of a terrible weight cut, you know what I mean, if she was still 25 pounds away from making weight when she when she got pulled. So I um, was disappointed to lose that matchup from, a, from an MMA fan perspective. But from an idea that we want people to be watching CFFC tonight, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it, man. Uh, so hopefully you guys are tuning in. Now, CFSC 90 is tonight. Obviously, I won't spend a lot of time on that uh, just because it'll probably be in the books by the time you are listening to this podcast. Like I said, Cold Coffee's knee-deep in virtual media day right now. Then he'll get to this and that. that. we got to get our junkie responsibilities done first. 
but once the junkie responsibilities get done, but it will probably it'll probably be in the books. But it is worth tuning in tonight. Uh, Colin Huckbody versus Aaron Phillips for the vacant middleweight title is our main event. Colin Huckbody, of course, um, who made it to the UFC on Dana White's Contender Series and was given a UFC contract, and then it came time to book his UFC debut, and 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 he's kind of decided and and. Look, man, I think this is a tough decision to make, but it was like, you know what? I don't think I'm quite ready yet. You know, I want a little bit more time to season, you know, and, and uh, I mean, that's a hard decision to make, you know, to give up a UFC deal, but he did it, you know, and, and uh, again, a situation where the UFC was, yeah, part ways. If you're not interested and, and you think you need a little bit more, then yeah, go get you a little bit more. Um, he relocated from, from Minnesota down to the MMA lab. Uh, which obviously huge fan of that school, you know, John Crouch, amazing instructor, a uh, great place for him to be. He said, uh, you know, he, he liked the instruction. He liked the weather as well. You know, coming from Minnesota, he was a fan of that. So, so Colin Hugbody um, kind of starting his post contender series run. Um, and says he really feels like he's getting better, man. He says, you know, he just felt like he didn't have the depth of training partners and depth of coaching they needed in Minnesota um, you know, to, to really, especially his striking game, you know, he's like, I feel pretty confident in my ground game, but I just know I wasn't there in striking. I need some more. So I'm looking to get better. So he's in the main event, Aaron Phillips, uh, the challenger stepped in on short notice from Alaska, big opportunity for him. He's got, a, I believe a five and one record in his career early, uh, all finishes, you know, so he's looked good, but up in Alaska, you know, it's kind of a, a smaller talent pool as well of, 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 you know, elite level fighters. So this is a big, big opportunity for him. Uh, so uh, l- looking forward to that one. Uh, Nashawn Burrell, remember the rock and roller? He's he's making a return to CFFC. He's fought here a couple times over his career, but he's coming back, kind of looking to rebuild after he had a rush, uh, a rough run out in Russia. Uh, so he'll be on the card. And, and Turbo Hamzaev, one of my favorite guys on the CFFC roster right now. If you haven't seen him, uh, the kid was – 0-3 in his career, and everybody was telling us, like, nah, man, he's way better than that. He's way, way, way better than that. Um, he just, you know, he, he just he turned pro too early, basically, and took fights maybe he shouldn't have taken, and he just wasn't ready yet. But they were like, this kid is a, is a monster in the gym. And, um, man, he's picked up two wins already uh, this year, and he's looking for his third win. So, about, you know, the, the Kevin Hollins of the world, this kid's looking to, to, to pick up three wins in 127 days, I believe is the total. So about four months this is his third fight uh, under the CFFC banner. He's 2-0 and thus far. So he's looking to even up his career record at 3-3, three and three, uh, which sounds crazy, right? But the kid has some highlights, man. He's fun to watch fight. Uh, he's, he's the best two and three fighter. He was the best zero and three fighter I'd ever seen. He's the best one and three fighter I've ever seen. I think right now he's the best two and three fighter I've ever seen. So uh, he kicks off the main card tonight. So hopefully, I, I think we're gonna have some fun uh, tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Also, hopefully you'll uh, you'll tune in and watch that. Um, there's a prelim, by the way. If for some reason. Well, no, there's no way you'll get to hear this because <laughs> I got to go start. But maybe if you could find it. I'm looking forward to the prelims. Uh, Timothy Kwamba is fighting out of Las Vegas. Uh, Dewey Cooper is his coach. Uh, I actually called some of his fights in tough. I, mean, I knew I knew the name, and I couldn't I couldn't remember why, and I looked up his record. I called some of his fights in uh, in tough enough, and the kid's got skills. He's making his pro debut. This will be on the prelims, so I think you'll be able to find this on the CFFC Facebook page. Uh, they'll archive it afterwards. Uh, and he's fighting a kid named Joshua Francis uh, out of Virginia. Uh, okay, so I'm high on Kwan because I've seen him fight before, and I remember him making an impression to me as an amateur. But I'm even more excited about this fight now because Francis missed weight <laughs> yesterday at the weigh-ins. He missed weight. This is uh, He fought his last five fights as an amateur as a lightweight, and then he takes this fight at featherweight. Misses weight, right? 
But the thing is, he gets like an extra hour to try to cut because I think he's like you know 1.7 over or something like that, if I remember the exact number. And uh, so the team, uh, Kwamba's team, waits around the hour down by the scale, just kind of hangs out, waits. Dude, t- Francis comes back like an hour later and is like, nah, I'm not going to reweigh. Uh, so he didn't even, I, I don't, as far as I can tell, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think he tried to cut anymore. And I missed the first part of it. But next thing you know, Kwamba's team is is yelling. I mean, just straight yelling. Like, did you you didn't even try? Like, why did you you know? So they start getting into it, and then and I, I don't know if it's Francis's girlfriend or a training partner, or a coach, but she's like five two. I mean, she looks like an atom weight basically. I mean, she. It, I mean, she's clearly. I think she's a fighter. I, I apologize. I was standing a distance, so I, if I should recognize her, I'm sorry that I don't. But she's like basically yelling at Dewey Cooper, just like I mean, straight yelling at him, like she's ready to go. He's like 5'2", ready to throw down against Dewey Cooper in the hallway of this hotel. And Greg Serb from the commission heard the ruckus and came outside. I was like, guys, guys, not here. Quiet down. Uh, Rob Haydick saw it. Sell it down. So anyway, uh, on the prelims, these 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 two camps. I don't think that I don't think the two fighters have anything against each other at all. I mean, obviously, I'm sure Kwame is a little bit upset that his opponent didn't make weight, but I think he just wants to make his pro debut. But the camps have some beef between each other now, so so I'm anxious to see that. So that's what's going down tonight. Uh, hopefully you'll catch that. And then tomorrow night is CFFC 91, um, and the main event there is uh, Pat Sabatini. Um, Pat Sabatini has had an absolutely crazy record in, in, in 2020. Crazy record, just a crazy year. Uh, he, he's impressive, right? So earlier this year, he was basically in talks to get to the big show. Uh, you know, UFC. He had been in talks with some other organizations as well. Uh, it was a talk to maybe a contender series fight, maybe straight to the UFC. Um, there's some other organizations in play as well. And he, uh, he keeps having fights fall through. The guy has fight after fight. I mean, the guy loses like five fights, five different opponents fall out. I mean, just I mean, losing him on fight day, losing him the week of, it's crazy, right? Falling out over and over and over. So um, he, he gets a fight, a late replacement steps in, James Gonzalez, who moves up a weight class to fight him. And... Um, Basically, it looks like it's Sabatini's coronation. You know, you go out there and win this fight, and then you're probably getting the call. Well, James Gonzalez is a, a, a black belt, I believe a Matt Serra black belt, and uh, gets the right arm and torso. If you guys have seen that one where it's, it looks like kind of like the, the Frank Muir arm lock, you know, and uh, but but Sabatini is standing, and, and uh, it just wrenches out like a chicken wing, and Gonzalez lets go, and the arm is just stuck there. So, it's you know, it's a technical – Excuse me, a technical submission victory for Gonzalez, and it's just it's just gruesome, right? I mean, it's oh, it's a gruesome sight. We were all shocked that he didn't have long-term damage from it. Like it looked like, oh man, this is gonna be bad. And he did. He was back at this dude was back in the gym like on Monday after that. If you if you guys remember this injury. So anyway, he comes back a couple months later and gets this devastating knockout. Now I wasn't I wasn't at the show. I didn't call the show. This was the weekend before we left for Fight Island, and it was a situation where. Um, you know, we had to take those pre-tests in Vegas to get on the plane to fly to Fight Island, so I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I had to back out of that, which sucked because I, you know, I, I love doing this. And uh, but anyway, he gets this knockout, and it's scary. Like he, 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 he lights up his opponent with a uh, with a, a combination. The fight is called on the on the feet, so the fight the the fighter's still standing, but it's clear he's out on his feet. And then after the referee calls it off, the opponent just slumps to the canvas and uh, is is out, like like not moving for a while. Like people were scared, uh, really scared. I felt awful, man, because uh, Eric Anders filled in for me. So it's Punk and Eric Anders, and like 
they've got to fill time on this broadcast because it's like scary. Like no, nobody knows what's going on. Fortunately, the guy ended up being okay. He ended up being okay, but it was scary because here's this huge moment for Sabatini, but he can't celebrate because obviously you don't want to hurt your opponent, you know. So anyway, so he rebounds and now he's he's fighting again. Wanted the rematch with Gonzalez. Uh, but couldn't get it. Uh, Gonzalez didn't. Basically, I think Gonzalez didn't want to fight him again. Like he's more of a natural bantamweight. And I, 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 it's just a guess. I know he turned down the fight, but I'm guessing it's just uh, felt pretty happy about winning at 145 once, but didn't want to do it again. So he actually gave up the title that he won um, off of Sabatini. Now that vacant title will be up for grabs. So uh, let me give you a few minutes with Pat Sabatini because I think this guy will be in a big show. Uh, sooner rather than later, and he's such a, a super cool, respectful guy. And uh, give you a little preview of what we're doing, uh, CFSC 91 on Friday night. Hopefully, you'll be uh, tuned in to watch it. But here is Pat Sabatini. Hey, John. John, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Oh, can't complain, brother. Everything's going good. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm the same, man. H- happy to still be working, right? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> well, let's just get into it then. I, I got to ask you. Obviously, I wasn't there last time, but I was watching, man. The big knockout last time out. Uh, I mean, everybody wants the highlight, right? But I know that was kind of scary as well. So, man, what was that experience like for you? I mean, you certainly handled it with class as I was watching you. But, um, man, what was that like for you? Well, you know, it went from uh, being a very celebratory moment. I got really, like, excited, you know what I mean? That training took over, and, uh, you know, I got that nice finish. But when I looked over and I seen him, like, still laying down, I get the, the happiness went right to immediate concern and I really was super concerned to make sure he was all right and yeah it, was, it got really scary there because uh you know he wasn't really moving for a while and I I didn't know what the hell was going to happen but I was so glad to you know see that he made it out okay yeah no doubt about it I know it you know it kind of like you said kind of took a little way away from the celebration that sort of thing but I do wonder if that win was important to you I mean I know to you the arm never really seemed to bother you but I mean I think for a lot of us we thought you know is there going to be any long term or is there going to be concern I mean did it feel good to go in there and rebound and, and show like hey I'm I'm still 100% man there's 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 no worries for me oh it felt great and it was very like ironic because it was the same you know the same arm that actually delivered the uh near the final punch yeah so that was like a little bit ironic right there, but it felt amazing to get back in there, and it, it just makes me get more excited to get back in there again. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's been a cra- what a, what an up and down year for you, right, man? It's been a, it's been a, everybody's twenty twenty's oh, been man. crazy, but yours has been nuts, right? <laughs> this whole year has been a crazy year to say the least. <laughs> so you're back now. <laughs> you're going to be fighting for the belt again. Um, what, what what does that mean to you? I mean, it, you know, regaining your belt is it is, is that an important accomplishment for you? I mean, I know ultimately you have higher aspirations, but but getting that belt back around your waist is this a big moment for you? Absolutely, getting that belt back means everything to me, and I feel like uh, by doing that, it's going to open up the next door and get me to the next level. Yeah, no question about it. Would you have preferred that it was James Gonzalez? I mean, does that matter to you? I mean, it's not like he really. I mean. I don't know, it's a weird thing, right? Like, he did beat you. It's not like, I mean, he was putting a submission on you, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of a weird one, right? I mean, do you feel like you owe him one, like you need to get him back, or is it just a freak thing to you? Oh, man, I've I've tried so much to uh, get that rematch, but he uh, declined on multiple occasions. Um, but, you know, it's a uh, you know, lesson learned. Uh, definitely, I feel like, you know, Sometime in the future, if there was ever an opportunity to get that rematch, it would it would mean everything to me. But 
you know, onward and upward. Can't look back in the past. Everything happens for a reason. Just, uh, just got to keep moving forward, brother. Yeah, no doubt. I know, I know you're a respectful guy, but – I mean, is that kind of crazy? Like the guy doesn't want a rematch so bad, he'll he'll just give up his belt. I mean, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. You know, I I don't know anyone who you know gets a belt and then you know just vacates it right after that. You know, that's uh, it's very weird. Definitely something I wouldn't do. But you know, to each his own. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll talk about the matchup here. I mean, is it uh, is it a name you were familiar with? Did, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing no, but what what did you think when they gave you the matchup? Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i familiar with the guy's camp. Uh, he's seems like he has a really good amount of experience, you know, good record. Uh, likes to mix it up on the feet, likes to push a good pace, likes to do some stuff on the ground, you know. Pretty well-rounded guy, you know. I'm pretty, pretty excited for the matchup. I feel like my style uh, is a very bad matchup for his style. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, experienced guy. I mean, uh, this is a main event uh, again for you. I mean, uh, are, are you hoping this is the one that punches your ticket? You know, or I mean, or do you or do you let yourself get caught up in it? Is it is it better to not think about that stuff? Like I say, I always take one step at a time. You know, I'm not I'm not even looking past even a day past this guy. You know, that's my priority is, is getting in there and getting a finish against this guy. And I I really think that this is going to be the one that's going to open up the next door for me. Yeah, I, I think it could be. What does this, um? What, I mean, does the belt mean something different this time around? I mean, I, you know, it kind of felt like your destiny before and then it gets taken away from you. Does it almost add something like special to it to get it back? Absolutely. I uh, I'm actually more hungry to get that belt back this time than I was when, I first was going after it because, you know, like like you said, it was taken away from me, and now, you know, to get that back um, just means everything to me because it's it, it shows, like, my, my will to overcome a bad situation and turn a negative into a positive. Very nice. Well, I mean, we always knew you had great grappling. Now we've seen, I mean, devastating KO power as well. So uh, what, what type of fight do you think we're going to see? Uh, what, what are we going to see in this fight? Honestly, I feel like you could see some ground stuff or some stuff on the feet. I feel like it's just going to depend what side of the bed I wake up on that day and what I feel like doing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, brother. <laughs> Like I said, just a, a, a super respectful guy, man. I always enjoy talking to him. And uh, a dangerous guy as well. You know, great, great grappling. Um, and as he showed last time out, devastating power as well. So um, he's going to be fighting Jesse Stern out of Maryland, uh, who's got a nice record as well, 10-3. and three. You know, not a bad record there. Um, challenging for this uh, vacant featherweight title. That'll be our main event for, for Friday night. CFFC 91. Uh, Co-main event is uh, Elise Reed, the strawweight champion who upset Jasmine Jazadavicious uh, last time out. She was a, got kind of thrust into a main event title fight in her second pro fight, and she delivered against a highly touted prospect, was able to win that strawweight title. She's just 2-0 and in her career. First fight was under the Bellator banner, and then she came to CFFC um, 
and uh, and you know challenge for this title in her second fight out and, and beat over like I said a highly touted prospect. She'll take on Jillian DeCourcy tonight. Jillian DeCourcy um, has fought for CFFC before, but she also fought five times for Invicta. I think is where most people will probably know her name. Um, more of a gra- it's going to be a striker versus grappler type battle. But uh, Elise Reed, who who grew up doing Taekwondo her her whole life. Uh, I talked to her and she's like, "Look, I get it. Like, I don't get easy to. I don't. I don't get warm ups anymore. I don't get developmental fights. Like, I'm a CFSC champ. I'm going to be facing some challenging fights. So that's our co-main event. So two title fights tomorrow night, and then uh, a couple of fights that I want you to key in on as well. Daryl Horcher. Remember the name Daryl Horcher? Um, guy fought in the UFC uh, four times. Came to the UFC and his debut was against Habib Nurmagomedov. This is back in 2016." So, you know, it wasn't quite the, uh, you know, the level of getting Habib now. But come on, even in 2016, those of us behind the scenes, like, knew, like, ooh, that's not the assignment you want, bro, coming in. But, he, you know, he was a, he was a CFSC lightweight champ, and, and he came in, he fought Habib, you know, did his best, you know, fought valiantly there, but, but lost that one. But then, a month later, he has this horrific motorcycle accident where, like, I mean, in, in the in, when he came out of it, like I mean, he he was like, I was lucky to be alive. I mean, you look at the wreckage; it's scary. Um, and he was told he'd never walk again. And uh, he fought 13 months later. Was told he would never walk again, and fought in the UFC 13 months later. Right? Picked up a win there. Emotional, crazy. Um, but then would go on to lose a couple more fights. Um, was kind of disillusioned with the sport, uh, with where he stood. Um, took some time off, was released from the promotion, um, and this is kind of his comeback fight now after two years away. So it's his it's his comeback from his comeback, um, and so I'm excited for this one. He's fighting a Russian import named Vadim Ogre, um, but this is a big moment for Daryl Horcher, and uh, I had a chance to speak to him as well, uh, a little bit coming in and talk about kind of where he stands, and uh, it's a big moment for him. So here's uh, here's Daryl Horcher. Daryl, John Morgan, how you doing, sir? How you doing? I'm good. Does this still work out as a good time for you? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, man, it's been two years. G- 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 fill us in, man. We got to catch up. What's what's been going on yeah, these last it, two years? Yeah, it's been a while, John. Um, not much, man. Just training, trying to at least with this Corona stuff. I took some time off after my last one. That was I had it on kind of rough because I think that was like that was like the best one that I was I was actually ready to fight. You know, since the accident, I wasn't ready to fight. Like I was, I rushed to get back. Right. And I did it on purpose. Like, to me, you know, I wasn't ever really supposed to walk again. So to have a goal to fight gave me something to work for. But then when it got to where I could think it was gotten sight where I could fight, I'm like, yeah, I want to fight. Let's do it now. So I kind of rushed back. So the last one, I was actually ready to go. Like, okay, I'm actually doing that. I'll move back to normal. And then I called that goddamn guillotine. I've never been guillotine before. <laughs> even, at practice, even at practice, guys, I got gotten slick with guillotine. Never been guillotine, even at practice. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was the feeling after that? So you, you took some time off. I mean, were you were you kind of burned out with the sport or, or frustrated, or what was, what was the feeling? A little bit of both. It was. I mean, I worked so hard to get back that it was. It literally just like it took over my life. Like I, I uh, so I thought you know I did the Khabib fight, and then I had the accident. Right. And I never went back to work afterwards. Like I used to work full time. I never went back to work. It became all I did, and I trained you know two times a day every day. And yeah, I got, so. Being that I rushed back, you know, as soon as I could train, I did that. Being that I rushed back, I did it. And it was, yeah, it was a little bit of both. It was, I was frustrated because I put all this work in and, like, damn, I, I'm finally almost back to normal. Like, you know, I went back. At first, I switched camps. I went to Chicago and I was training out at current MMA. 
And that wasn't really, I mean, it was a good fit, but it wasn't right for me. So I came back out here where I've always been in Pennsylvania, and I'm actually, I ran that whole camp with Daniel Grayson. I've worked with Daniel uh, my whole career. Like, he's been, like, a second coach to me, like, my whole career. This was the first camp. I dedicated the whole camp to him. <clears throat> and, yeah, I was just frustrated. I was like, I did everything right. I'm finally almost back to normal, and I get caught in the damn geese that I've never, never been caught in before. <laughs> it was very frustrating. So it was a mixture of both, I think. Fair enough. So then what what got you to the point where you said, okay, let's, you know, let's 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 move forward. Let's jump back in the gym and start working towards this goal of, of fighting again. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was the time away was like at first, like the first six months was good. And then uh, I talked to my girlfriend about afterwards. It's like, I didn't, I've done it so hard and so long for or so much for so long that it's like, what do I do without it? I got depressed. I didn't know what to do. Right. I had to get back training. That's what I was telling her. Like, when I can train, I have to train. So then I started training again, just like to make myself feel better. I'm going to feel to train a couple days a week. And then you go to, well, you know, obviously I still got it because I'm beating up all these good guys. I want to fight again. I messaged Brian and I want to fight. Let's do this. Okay. And I, at that time, I didn't know that my contract with the UFC was up. Well, I kind of knew it was up because it was four fights. But I didn't know they weren't going to renew because I was coming off a loss. So I was right. right away, I was like, yeah, just get right in, let's do that. And Brian's like, yeah, dude, you waited like two years, and they're not going to do that off a loss. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, damn it. <laughs> yep. Crazy. So, so what's so what's the feel? I mean, you kind of like you said, you've been in the big show, um, and now you kind of got to start again, right? So what's what's that feeling like? Is it? I mean, is it refreshing <laughs> at all, or is it frustrating? What's what's the feel? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit refreshing because I have. I mean, I, like I've told you before, like I have horrible stage fright, right. really bad anxiety. So the big crowds, and even like you know, some of my training partners and like Daniel said, like coming back during this whole Corona thing is going to be perfect because I'm going to go out there and there is no crowd. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not going to feel anything. So, so I've taken this time off. You're going to have nerves, all that stuff because of the time off, and and you're going to have the nerves because of the crowd and the TV, blah blah. blah but there, there's no crowd, so you're at least eliminating some of it. Yeah. So stepping down, I. Me and Brian have talked about this like on the phone a couple years ago. After my accident, if we could have done this then to work my way back, I would have gladly have done it then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, willingly, I would have gone back down and worked my way back. But now I have to do it. It's kind of like, I didn't really want to now, but, you know, I do what I got to do. No sweat. So you were supposed to fight in uh, in November, and obviously you, you had, to, had to pull out. I mean, was that what goes through your head at that point? I mean, I guess you've gone through worse. Like, I guess you've gone through worse, uh, right? <laughs> I've been through worse. That is, I, I understand that right away. But even uh, uh, Brian Hamper texted me and was like, "Man, I feel so bad. Like you're trying everything. Everything you do, I'm like, and that's what I handle. Like every turn I make, something happens. <laughs> so I'm just hoping nothing. I'm waiting for it to come back this time that this one falls through. I'm like, it's gonna happen. I guess I'm trying to get my hopes up. Being like, ah, when this one falls through again, then at least I'm all right. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, what, uh, to talk about the matchup that you have here. I mean, uh, I, I always laugh because I mean, uh, I guess once you face Habib, like the rest of it doesn't seem all that tough. But what, what do you, yeah, what yeah, do you think about it. the matchup? Okay, so uh, I've watched. I you know, me and my friend, we watched. We watched my Khabib fight a lot, and we took away from that that I actually did pretty well wrestling based against him. I stuffed all of his all of his initial takedowns, right. and most of my stuff on his first and second. It was his, you know, he's freakish, he never stops, he never quits, and changes all together, and then he throws you. Right. But, so, my wrestling was obviously on par with the greatest in the world. I mean, my Sambo, I've never dealt with Sambo like that. And that, like, that's what I told everybody. I've never just felt that freak hips, like, I've worked with good wrestlers, I'm a good wrestler myself. But, 
I've never felt that. So we watch that, and, and to, so to fight another grappler, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but he ain't going to be at that level. <laughs> so I've already, I've, I've already proven out my head that wrestling-wise, this guy's more wrestling-based, from what I've seen, that wrestling-wise, I, I, I think I, I can wrestle with the best of them. I, I, we, we know I can stand with the best of them, I can grapple with the best of them, so he don't have that sambo edge, so... I respect his ground game. I'm not scared of it. And, and I've worked, I've worked, like I said, I trained with Daniel Gracie, so he's a Gracie. You know he makes me work on my ground. Yeah, no question about <laughs> he's it. He's always putting me on the ground, and he yells at me if I don't do gi class. I used to try to skip gi every time I could, and he's like, where are you? Why are you not at gi? <laughs> That's funny. So, That's funny. So, so, what, so, give me, so give me the idea, Darryl. What is the goal right now? Like you said, I mean, you've, you've, you've been in the big show. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge for you, like you said, because of the stage fright and that sort of thing. But, I mean, are you wanting yep. to get back there, or is this more just about kind of just doing something you love at whatever yeah. level it may be? What's, what's the plan? Um, you know, it, it's a little bit of both. I, I do want to get back there. The goal is if you're going to fight, to always be the best in the world. You know, any, any sport you compete at, if you're competitive, you want to be the best. I know that I'm on par to be up there, you know, top ten guys in the world. I know that, and I'm not, and I, I'm confident I could be better than that with the with work. But where I'm at now, I could be up there. Um, so it's, it's I'm doing what I what I love, what I enjoy, and it's I get corrected a lot, but I tell a lot of people it's the only thing I really know that I'm really good at, hmm. which isn't quite true, but to me that's how it feels. So it's my passion. I'm doing because I love it. But yeah, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it the best I can. I do everything I can to the best of my ability, and that means get to the big show and and do it, you know, in front of the big, on the big lights again and, and just don't freeze and actually pull the trigger. That's awesome. Well, this will be a big step in that direction. Obviously, you know, CFSC, certainly you're familiar with the organization. It's, it's still got a great reputation. Um, what, what, yeah. what, what kind of fight are we going to see? I mean, uh, two years away, I mean, uh, is, this, is this a reinvented Daryl Horcher? I mean, is this something <coughs> new or is it just refined? I mean, what, what, what are we going to see? All right. Well, like you said about me knowing CFC, I know CFC. I was actually the lightweight champ there before I got signed to the UFC, so that's why I went right back there. So, I, yeah, I'm kind of at home there. So, I think that's gonna help with the nerves. Um, you're not really gonna see a reinvention because, uh, let's be honest, I'm I'm very uh, uh, vanilla in my style. I'm, I'm <laughs> wrestling boxing. I'm wrestling and boxing based. I have incorporated, you know, more kicks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you're going to see better. So before the accident, I, I believe I could wrestle with the best of them. And I, I trained, you know, Dennis Bermudez, who was an Olympic alternate. Like, we wrestled. Like, I trained with him most of his career. I could wrestle with the best of them prior to the accident. And I really believe when I came back and rushed back, that wasn't as good. And I've told people that my wrestling is not as good as it used to be. I can't enter the way I can. You know, my balance is not right. I do believe that's come back. I, I have some good guys. I have, I, you know, I, I'm in Pennsylvania, and we have, uh, you know, we got a pretty good wrestling base out here. And I have guys who, one state multiple times, and then, you know, and moved out of D1, and now they're training with me. So I have good wrestlers. So you're just going to see more more refinement in that area. Um, and I'm really, because I, I know that, and I have the confidence back in my wrestling, you're going to see that power that I used to show. I used to throw my punches, and I used to sleep people. I really wasn't doing that after the accident because I lost that confidence in my balance, that confidence in my takedown defense. So I wasn't really pulling the trigger. I was worried, waiting for the takedown. Fair enough. You're not going to see that. I think you're going to see you're going to see the old me, but yeah, even better. I'm, I'm stronger. I've I changed my whole training conditioning routine up, so that's all going to be different. I mean, like with the Corona thing, that's all I've been able to do up until I took my training a couple months ago. But you know, so you're going to see a much stronger, more refined, the old me.
there from from Daryl, man, kind of uh, where he stands and, and what's at stake and what he feels. And, uh, man, what a cool story it would be. You know, it's, it, that was the thing. It was always so amazing that he came back after 13 months. But you did wonder, like, is that okay? Like, is it, what? You know, and, and, and for him to admit, like, man, I rushed back. I shouldn't have done that. You know, here's what I did. But, you know, as you do, when the USC comes calling, if there's a USC opportunity, it's hard, it's hard to step back and say, ah, maybe this isn't it right now. You know, maybe I should go – take some fights on the regional scene and then try to get my way back in here because, you know, there's no guarantees and there's a big pay difference. I mean, say what you will about UFC pay and it's not what it should be and blah, blah, blah. There's a huge difference between that and the regional scene. And so, you know, it's it's hard to say, you know, hey, let me go get a couple couple in, you know, another organization and then I'll, I'll come back because, you know, if one of those doesn't go your way, the UFC is not going to guarantee that they'll bring you back. So it's a tough position to be in, and, and uh, so you understand why Daryl Horcher would, would stick around. But uh, So it's a big moment for him against Vadim Ogre. And then one other athlete I want to uh, identify as well, Solomon Renfro. And uh, we'll see. I have a feeling this is going to be one of those guys that people either love or hate because he's super confident, right? Uh, and to the point where it's it sounds like cockiness, you know what I mean? But he's a 23-year-old kid, um, and last time out, he fought in August, uh, and he had a 45-second anaconda choke victory, right? 45-second submission. So he's 6-0 in his career. He's undefeated, uh, but that was the first finish of his career, right? And he's fought five times uh, under the CFSC banner, so it's, you know we've, we've seen a lot of him here, right? Um, and this kid, he believes in himself, man. He carries himself. But he shocked me even in this interview uh, with where he, where he was going to be. So he's feeling the, the love after the last time out. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll just I'll just let him tell you. This is Solomon Renfro. Hey, John, how are you? Solomon? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm okay. Man, this is still a good time for you? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Cool, man. Well, let's let's talk about that last fight, man. Couldn't have gone much better for you. What uh, What was that feeling like after a performance like that, man? Oh yeah, it was awesome, man. To finally get another, fin- to finally get a finish as a pro, um, it felt great. It felt like you know a, a fresh start for me. Now I can you know start to find more finishes, and I just feel like I got my my old swagger back as <laughs> finishing guys goes. So it feels good. It felt great, honestly. That's awesome. So what what do you think made the difference? I mean, was there something that clicked, whether it be mentally, whether it be technically, whether it be your approach? I mean, what do you think was the difference? Uh, I think everything just now is starting to come together, you know, before, like I mentioned a few times in other interviews, that uh, I wasn't really at a real camp before. A lot of people know that. I mean, I was at a at a gym, but it wasn't like a real legit professional MMA gym. It was kind of like, kind of like a fitness gym that has MMA, you know what I mean? Right. So that's kind of what it was out there in uh, Buffalo. So now that I've been at Tiger Shobans and I've actually been able to put time in and train with guys, I just feel like I'm getting better every single day. I'm just leveling up. That's and a- so, so do my coaches and my teammates. So, I mean, it, it, it was just – everything just starting to come together. Um, finishing guys more and more in the gym, finishing guys more and more <laughs> in everything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm winning every competition I uh, compete in, whether whether it be sprints, whether it be straight conditioning, you know, anything. So just just focusing on being a winner and finishing, you know, and finishing the right way. So That's awesome. Was that your first camp there? Uh, it was so my first full camp there. Yeah, it was. Nice. Last time I was there for my camp, but I wasn't really there the whole time. I was like in and out, back and forth to Buffalo. So my first full camp there, and this is my second full camp here, and it's gonna go even better than last time. Very cool. So I'm sure you're excited to be fighting. What did uh? I mean, did, did you do you have any knowledge of the matchup? You know, the guy that you're facing. Did you know anything about him when they when they came to you? Um, no, I had no idea who he was. I was just looking to get another opponent. I was saying seven and zero. 
Um, I was going to be saying something regardless of who the opponent was. So it really didn't matter to me. Um, I'm just happy that we finally got a guy who's willing to dance and uh, he's going to take this loss. <laughs> I dig it. Have you have you had a chance to research much? Is there much? Well, I haven't even seen. Is there much tape out there on him? Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a bit. Um, he's right now he's um five one and one. He'll be five two and one after he faces me. Um, he trains at Team Alpha Male. Uh, he holds pads for a lot of the guys there. Um, he's from Canada, but he lives in Sacramento now. I saw that and. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's decent everywhere, you know, decent everywhere, but I'm just better everywhere. So, and that's going to show. That's awesome. So, you know, like you said, I felt like this was a big moment for you in that last performance. I mean, what's the goal for you right now? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the UFC, they like finishes. I mean, are, are you thinking about the big show already, or is it more just kind of continuing to, to, to rack up some experience with, you know, now that you're with a, a, a full team, a real a real team? Um, honestly, the goal has always been the UFC. My goal since day one coming into the sport was to be the greatest of all time. Not was, is to be greatest of all time. Um, and I plan to get a belt in the UFC and defend my belt at least 10 times and also uh, <clears throat> get a professional belt in boxing and defend that belt as well. So that's why I say I'm going to be called the GOAT, you know, the greatest combat sports athlete ever because I'll be the first one to get a belt in boxing and MMA. Not many, No one has ever done that, but not many guys have the capability to do that. Yeah. And, that was my plan from day one. That was way before the Conor Floyd thing, way before all this boxing shenanigans stuff. That was always my plan. Anyone that knows me, they know that. So uh, it's just gonna come. For, it's just all gonna come full circle and come to fruition. That's awesome. I'm just excited. Do you have? Do you have? A, do you have a pro boxing record right now? No, I don't. No, I don't. Only because, only because every time I was getting ready to box this fight, I had an opportunity to do MMA, and my manager said it was kind of it's a little bit easier to kind of get not easier but faster to get to the UFC than it would be to get to like the high level of boxing because sure. as you're seeing boxing you got to get like 15 you know fights before you really start to see some numbers come in, in the MMA you know you see some guys that are 4-0 getting in the UFC so um right now I'm just waiting for my moment you know I'm just go out there dominate and uh Hopefully, I get the car in after this domination and win. I'll be seven and zero after that. So that's awesome. What about uh, Henry Cejudo? Calls himself the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. You got you, you don't buy his claim? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I respect it. I respect him. You know, he, he's a dog, man. I seen him when he was losing to Marlon Marias, and he uh, he just pulled it out and just you know bit down his mouthpiece and started to scrap. I respect him for sure, but it, when it comes to the goat, I'm I'm the goat. I dig it, man. So talk about your mindset coming in here. I mean, now that you know what it's like to get those, you know, devastating finishes, I mean, do you come out, you know, looking for that devastating finish? Do you, are, are, you know, do you try to impose that or you just kind of take what comes? What's what's the mentality? Um, to just dominate everywhere and the finish is going to come. Um, if, if he throws one, I'm throwing three, you know. Um, if he throws something sloppy, I'm going to make him pay. Anything that he gets nothing for free. You know, anything he throws, he's going to pay for it. So uh, if he shoots, he's going to pay for it. If he throws, he's going to pay for it. So I'm going to make him not want to be in there, and I'll find that finish from there. I love it, man. The attitude is, is on point, man. I'm excited for it. Uh, what, what 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 kind of fight do you think we're going to see here, man? Do you think you're going to be able to get out quick, or do you think it, you know you might have to push, you know, go through a little test? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, to be honest, because when I watch him, I feel like every, every time he's had – well, the one time that he had a test, like a real test, uh, he got KO'd. You know, and then right after that, he fought to a draw. Um, that guy pushed him. And all, all the other fights weren't really, they were all like early finishes. You know, no one that really fought him. Anytime he had a fight brought to him, it, he never won. 
So uh, I'm going to bring the fight to him, and I feel like he's going to. I'm going to get him out of there in the first, no later in the second round. But if it goes all three, I, I'm in phenomenal shape to go, and I'm I'm ready to win anywhere. But I, I'm I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get him out there in round one or round two. Like I said, I think you're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. The dude says he's going to be the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. Step aside, Henry Cejudo. I like it, man. I, you know, it's a personality and uh, it's a goal and he's driven. And I'll tell you what, man, this kid, he's been, you know, walking around just saying 7-0, 7-0, I will win. You know, that's how he, that's how he signs like every uh, – every text message or anything it ends you know the same way that like tony ferguson's like ending every social media post with with cso and the the, the you know the flags or whatever you know uh solomon's just t- 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 tagging everything with seven and oh i will win so uh good stuff man i'm really looking forward to it. hopefully you guys will tune in um again by the time you listen to this 90 you'll probably be in the books hopefully you watch that on replay uh, and then 91 will be Friday night, so hopefully you watch that. Uh, I, I really do enjoy do, doing commentary, and I love uh, working with these guys at CFSC. Man, it's such a really cool team here, man. They have a good group of people. And uh, my man CM Punk, who should be arriving here at the hotel pretty soon, and uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get things underway. Uh, I never said anything, but uh, by the way, if you're if you're uh, if you got time to give us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts, do that. Or if you want to sign up to support us over at patreon.com slash the MA Roadshow, you could do that as well. And a half, you know we'll have those. We'll have one more this week. Uh, and we'll, we're, we're working on some things behind the scenes for 2021 to kind of step our, our game up over there on patreon.com slash the MA Roadshow. But, of course, we always uh, appreciate any support that people are already offering. It means a lot to me and cold coffee. So, uh, I'm going to go get to work. Cold Coffee is finishing up with Media Day. We'll get back together on uh, Saturday night to, to cover UFC. We'll have full coverage over at MMA Junkie. And, of course, we'll have the NF episode afterwards. And in the meantime, uh, make sure you're watching UFC Fight Pass, CFFC. And thanks for listening.